The singing of the doxology by the PCC student body begins Pensacola Christian College Chapel. At each chapel service, students have an opportunity to receive spiritual exhortation and enrichment during a time of music and meditation on God's Word. This podcast shares selected recent chapel messages from guest speakers, faculty, and staff. Welcome to the PCC Chapel Podcast. We're studying the life of Joseph this week, and I think most appropriate because Joseph is one of the greatest pictures of Jesus in the Old Testament. In fact, he's one of only two or three people that are pictures of Christ that nothing evil is said of them. That doesn't mean he never sinned because there's only one sinless man. That's the God man. But it means that his life was so characterized by the presence of God that when the Holy Spirit recorded his story, he chose not to tell us about his failures and instead give him as a positive example that we could follow. I want you to open your Bible with me again this morning to the book of Genesis. Maybe your Bible's just naturally falling open here now. Hope you're spending some time in it. We return today to Genesis chapter number 39 to the end of the chapter. And we studied last evening these opening verses about Joseph's temptation. And uh, I've talked to you about seeing the Lord in your past and then remembering the Lord in your temptations. And this morning, I want to talk to you about serving the Lord in your difficulty. Look at Genesis chapter 39, beginning in verse number 20. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were bound, and he was there in the prison. Now, maybe you think that's where you are right now. You're in jail. <laughs> you're, you're in bonds. You know, sometimes the greatest prisons in life are not physical. Sometimes they're in your mind, in your emotions. You feel all bound up in your spirit. Uh, anxiety and fear can be a prison. And Satan loves to keep you locked up there. I just want to remind you that God is in the prison with you. Because when you come to verse number 21, look at the very next phrase, but the Lord was with Joseph. If that sounds familiar, it's because back up to verse 2 and verse 3, that statement's already been given twice. The Lord was with him in the house of Potiphar. The Lord was with him when all was well. And now here he is at the bottom. I like what old Vance Havner used to say. He said, when you get to the bottom, you find out the foundation is still there. So maybe you're at the bottom today. You think, I've hit bottom. My, my emotions have bottomed out. My circumstances aren't good. Just know this, the foundation is still good. When old Pilgrim was crossing over to the celestial city, he went through a place where there was mire, and he sunk down in it, and he had a, had a fellow traveler, a friend, going through with him. And his friend said uh, to, to Pilgrim on that journey, he said, I feel the bottom, and it is good. I want to say and testify, I'm not preaching now, I have had those seasons in my life where I thought I'm so low, nobody knows where I am, uh, nothing good is happening, I'm never going to get through this, but I'm here to testify on the other side, the bottom was good, the foundation is still there, and the Lord is with you even in the prison. In verse number two, it says the Lord was with him. In verse number three, it says others saw the Lord was with him. But when you get to verse 21, it gets down to where we live every day. The Lord was with him in the midst of his difficulty. Keep reading. The Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor. You might want to circle the word mercy and the word favor. 
And mercy is what keeps from you what you don't need and what you, what you deserve but you can't take. And favor is what gives to you what you don't deserve. So I love this. On the negative and on the positive, God's got you covered. He, he's going to withhold what you can't take, and he's going to give you exactly what you need because the God of the Bible, the God of Joseph is my God. He is the God of mercy and favor. So he's working in that prison. He gave him mercy and favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Verse 22, and the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, and whatsoever they did there, he was the doer of it. The keeper of the prison looked not to anything that was under his hand. Here it is again, a fourth time. Mark it in verse 23, because, here's the great cause of blessing, because the Lord was with him, and that which he did the Lord made it to prosper. Life is full of trouble. The oldest book in the Bible, the book of Job, says man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. How many of you have any problem, concern, or conflict in your whole life right now? Would you raise your hand, please, big and high, any problem at all? That's every person in this room. And if you think you don't have any, probably before the day's out, something's going to come across your path. That's life. If you wait until all that passes to serve God, you will never serve God. If you wait till the circumstances are easy and everybody is for you and everything is clear to serve the Lord, you will never serve the Lord. You must begin to serve the Lord in the midst of your difficulty. Some of you think you're here preparing to serve the Lord. That's incorrect. You are not here preparing to serve the Lord. In fact, if you don't serve the Lord here, you won't serve him when you leave. Getting on a plane doesn't make you an evangelist. Getting a passport doesn't make you a missionary. Getting an office and a business card doesn't make you a pastor. If you don't serve God here, I doubt seriously you'll have the heart to serve him somewhere else. You're not here preparing to serve the Lord. You're here preparing to serve him better, but serving the Lord while you're preparing. In other words, God has designed it so that while you're studying, while you're sharpening, in the midst of all of the, the stress of that and the, and the press of that, you are to be serving the Lord right where you are. And this is the really good news. God has designed it so in the midst of the difficulty, not when the difficulty is over, not, not when you're prime minister of Egypt, when you're in the prison, God can use that in your life and God can use you in that place. It's not just about you. You know, we get pretty selfish. We even start looking at seasons like this, like what can I get out of this and what can somebody do for me? And we get fixated, uh, morbidly introspective on, on how we feel and what we think. I just want to remind you, you're a part of something a whole lot bigger than you. You're a part of what God is doing in this world. And the amazing thing is, in all of the record of Joseph's life, there is never a single record where he grumbled and complained and fussed about the situation he was in. I'm sure he had bad days. I don't think he jumped out of bed every morning with a smile on his face. I'm sure there were moments of depression and discouragement and disillusionment, and yet there's never a record that he whined his way through the imprisonment. In my travels every week, I meet people everywhere I go, good people, God's people, who are talking about how bad everything is. I call them Eeyore Christians. How many of you remember who Eeyore was? Yes? 
Everything's bad. Everything's on the down note. I'm just going to tell you, we're going to be pretty ashamed when we stand, excuse me, kneel at the judgment seat of Christ next to the martyrs and before the crucified Son of God and have to explain why we whined our way to the rapture of the church. Can I just say to you, God's people ought to be rejoicing people and they ought to be hopeful people and they ought to be serving the Lord right where they are, even in the midst of their difficulty. See, God gives peace not after the storm, in the storm. God gives rest not after the labor's over, but in the midst of the labor. And God makes it so you can serve him in the midst of your difficulty, not after all the difficulty has passed. So how does that happen? Let me give you just a handful of principles. They all come from this section of the Bible. You may want to write them down. Here's the first one. Look in verse number 22. He's in the prison. But the Bible said God gave him such favor that whatsoever they did there, would you mark the last phrase of verse 22? He was the doer of it. He did it. He was the the guy running things in the prison. And then you come to the end of verse 23, because the Lord was with him and that which he did. Would you connect the last phrase of verse 22 to the last phrase of verse 23? That which he did, the Lord made it to prosper. Number one, write this down somewhere, would you please? Don't forget this. If you're going to serve the Lord in your difficulty, here's the first principle, the starting place, the the jumping off point. Here it is. Number one, do what you can and believe God will do what he needs to do. You see the two sides of this? In verse number 22, you've got Joseph's responsibility, but in verse number 23, you've got Joseph's resource. He did his part. Ecclesiastes says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Paul wrote to the church at Colossae and said, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. May I say to you, whatever class you have this semester, whatever job God gives you, whatever assignment you're given day to day, whatever duty is entrusted to you, do it with all your heart. Do it with all your might. Do it as to the Lord and not to men. Do your part. But remember this. As surely as God will not do what he's commanded you to do, you cannot do what only God can do. And I love the fact that though Joseph was the doer, the Lord was the maker. Would you notice the difference in the wording here? In verse 22, he was the doer. We're supposed to be not just hearers, we're supposed to be doers. But when you come to verse number 23, the Lord made it to prosper. Hey, the same God that made all things in Genesis is the only God who can make you what he wants you to be. This is not about you making something of yourself. You can't make it happen. You can't make this a great year. We say sometimes, make this a great semester. You can't make that. Here's what you can do. You can find out what God has given you to do and do that. And as you believe God and obey God, serve him right in the midst of your difficulty, God will meet you in that prison. The Lord will make what you do to prosper. That's the Lord's business. God will take care of the reward if you will take care of the responsibilities. So, number one, do your part and believe God will do the rest. Here's a second principle. It comes from chapter number 40 because when you get to chapter 40 and verse number 4, look at it carefully. The Bible says the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. That's the butler and the baker of Pharaoh, remember. And would you mark this phrase in verse 4? He served them. And they continue to season in ward. Now, 
This was his assignment. You take care of the butler, you take care of the baker. You know the story, right? But as I was reading not long ago through this chapter, something jumped off the page of me I'd never seen before. He didn't just serve them because he had to. He didn't just serve them because the jailer assigned them to him. He served them because he believed God put them there and him there for a reason and that this was a divine appointment. I can prove it to you. Come to verse number 7. He goes beyond just the duty of making sure they were fed. And look at verse 7. He asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? Isn't this interesting that instead of Joseph talking about how sad he is, he's concerned about their countenance being down. This is fascinating to me. Let me tell you, the most miserable people I know are people trying to be happy. And the most joyful people I know are the people who figured out that if they will minister to others, God will minister to them. So here's the second principle. You want to serve the Lord in your difficulty? Do what God's given you to do and trust him to do the rest. And number two, minister to others. You find somebody else that's having a hard time and you minister to them. And by the way, he wasn't just patting them on the back saying, hope you get better. Look at verse number eight. He, he, they said to him, we dreamed a dream. There's no interpreter of it. And Joseph said to them, I love this, do not interpretations belong to God? Oh, this is powerful. You know what Joseph did in the prison? He pointed everybody to God. Don't draw people to yourself. Point them to Jesus. Don't just commiserate with other people. Yeah, it's rough, isn't it? Boy, we're having a hard time, aren't we? No, no. Point them to Jesus. Your best friend here may not be your best friend here. Your best friend in this room, your best friend on this campus is the person who's going to point you to Jesus and remind you that God is still God and God has this under control. You say, I'm a student. You're a minister. If the only ministry that takes place is from guys like me who stand behind pulpits like this, we've dead-ended the work of God. We've short-circuited what Jesus intended from the very beginning. God wants everybody in this room ministering to everybody else in this room. Come alongside somebody. Encourage them. Show the love of God to them. Look, everybody's having a hard time with something. Show kindness. Show courtesy. The world is full of enough harshness and hardness and hatefulness. The love of God ought to make a difference in the Lord's people. Jesus said, by this shall all men know you're my disciples when you have love one for another. You want to get through your difficulty? Then minister to somebody else right where you are. Remember when Job was having a hard time? Read the last chapter of Job sometime. The Lord turned the captivity of Job when? When he prayed for his friends. You know what's ironic? In the time when we think ourselves most spiritual, we actually reveal how selfish we really are. Listen to yourself pray. We think we're spiritual because we pray. Listen to yourself pray. 90% of our prayers are, Lord, help me. I need you. And by the way, it's all right to pray for your needs. The Lord wants to hear that. But let me let, me let you in a little secret that will give you joy in the midst of your struggle and help you serve the Lord in the midst of your difficulty. It will help you and help somebody else too. You turn your prayers around, and instead of just praying for your needs, begin to pray for the needs of others. You let this campus be full of intercessory prayer. And I tell you, on the authority of the Word of God, you'll see the Lord show up in the midst of your circumstance. So number one, do your part. Number two, minister to others. Number three, you're not going to like this one. Wait on God. Turn a page and look at chapter 41, verse 1. And it came to pass at the end of two full years. Now, it's really easy to read that and hard to live it. 
You understand what that means? It means Joseph sat in that prison cell for two full years. Two years. By the way, they, I'm talking about those you minister to, they may forget you, but God never will. Nobody else may notice what you do to encourage and help somebody. Nobody will know what you pray in your prayer closet somewhere to uphold some fellow student or laborer, but God sees all of that. And sometimes you've got to wait on God. Eight years ago when God let, let us to leave where we were serving, take a step of faith in the full-time evangelism, it's the biggest step of faith I'd ever had to take in my life. Somebody said, what did you learn from that period? I could, I could talk for days about what God taught me. Let me tell you the number one lesson I learned, waiting on the Lord. It's easy to preach and hard to live. I hate holding patterns and waiting rooms. I'm impatient like all of you are. But I learned this, waiting time is never wasted time because while you are waiting, God is working. While you are waiting on the Lord, God is working behind the scenes. In fact, you're in chapter 41. Look at verse 14. There came a moment where the breakthrough came. Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment, came into Pharaoh. I love the fact he had to physically get ready to come into Pharaoh, but spiritually he'd been sitting on ready the whole time. Look, you just stay right with God. You just stay close to God. You just stay in fellowship with God. When the time is right, God's going to bring it all together for you. Look at verse 15. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I've dreamed a dream, and there's none that can interpret it. And I've heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh saying, yes, sir, I'm the best dream interpreter in all these parts. Is that what the Bible says? That's what I would have said. True faith is always filled with humility. Look what he says. This is powerful. It is not in me. And look at the next two words. God shall. You know what some of you need to realize today? It's not in you. You can't do it. I'm not trying to give you some religious pep talk today, stir you emotionally. You can't do it. That's what I'm telling you. Somebody said, well, that's encouraging. Thanks a lot. No, no, the sooner you learn it, the better off the whole thing's going to be. We get so full of ourselves. God's got to let all the air out of our balloon. You can't do it, but God can, and God will if you will trust him. It is not in you, but God shall do what needs to be done. You wait on him. And then one more. If you're going to serve the Lord in your difficulty, do what you know. Minister to others. Wait on God. And number four, get past your past and start looking to the future. Look at chapter 41, verse number 50. He has two boys, Joseph does. Verse 51 and 52 gives us their names. Verse 51, Joseph called the name of the firstborn Manasseh. (laughs) You know what Manasseh means? Forgetting. How many of you would like your dad and mom to name you forgetful? Yes? It represented the past of his life. It was, a, it was a threshold moment. New life came, and Joseph made a conscious decision. I'm going to forget that. First day of classes, some of you right now need to put your past under the blood of Jesus, in the grace of God. Stop talking about it. I hear people say, well, I'm over that. No, you're not. You're still talking about it all the time. When we say forgive and forget, by the way, he's going to forgive his brothers. It doesn't mean he forgot everything they ever did to him. What does it mean? Does God forget everything we've ever done? No, he casts them in the sea of his forgetfulness. What does it mean? It means he chooses never to bring them up again. Do you know what forgiveness is? You don't know how to get past your past? Stop talking about it all the time. Draw a line in the sand today and say enough of that. 
forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He has a second boy. Look at verse 52. His name's Ephraim. Ephraim's name means fruitful. So you've got two boys, forgetting and fruitful. He said, I'm going to get past the past, and I'm going to start looking in faith and hope to the future and believe that God is more than enough. We started this whole study seeing God in the past. Well, now you've got to start seeing God in the details of your present and your future and believing. God's going to take care of all this. Samuel Bringle was a man who worked with the Salvation Army. He was mightily used of God. And one day he was preaching, and a guy who didn't like him preaching the gospel threw a brick at him. True story. Hit him in the head, laid him up for months. During those months, he wrote one of the greatest books on holiness that's ever been written. And when it was all done, somebody asked him about that experience, and this is what Bringle said. He said, if there had been no brick, there had been no book. His wife got the actual brick that hit him in the head, painted it gold, and put Genesis 50, verse 20. We'll come to that verse in our last study. God meant it unto good on that brick as a reminder that God was working in the midst of the difficulty. And this is the beauty of it. Not only is God working in the midst of the difficulty, you can work with him. He's the foreman. It's his work crew. But you're laboring together with God. You can serve the Lord in the midst of your difficulty if you'll simply believe God and begin right where you are. You've been listening to a message from Pensacola Christian College Chapel. You're welcome to pass this sermon along to others. Please don't charge for it or alter it without written permission from Pensacola Christian College. For additional information about PCC, visit us online at pcci.edu. Pensacola Christian College, empowering Christian leaders to influence the world for Christ.